0: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select campus events while supplies last make every tap music to your ears. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Alahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos,
1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
3: Hey, everyone, welcome to Buffy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show. With myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family a podcast, We've got an excellent podcast coming up for you as we're going to be joined right here in this segment by Ben Wilson. He does amazing work over at v He does a lot of our weekend betting coverage with regards to live betting on football. On top of that, I know that from time to time you're able to catch him on the Lombardi line and he's one of the best play-by-play voices that you're going to hear. He does a ton with regards to indoor football, G League basketball, college baseball, college basketball. You name it, he does it and much like myself, a fellow Wisconsinite. So here in this segment, we're going to be talking with him about both of these series. I know that he's taking a look at both of the series prices with these. He's got one in which he's going to be looking to reduce the juice on one of the favorites. So he's going to be laying that out with us. We're going to be taking a look at just what all four of these teams need to do to be able to win their respective series, some of the angles that we should be taking a look at. So we're going to be diving in there in segment number one. We're doing the interview in segment number one since there's nothing to recap from Friday because well, rudely, all these teams they wrapped up their series quite early. We did not get any Game 5, so just going to be giving you guys that interview right away rather than having you sit through a commercial break or anything like that, so we're going to get right to it. And then in the final segment, since I gave you guys a little bit of an overview as to what I'm taking a look at in terms of ALCS Game 1 on the podcast yesterday, I'll do a brief overview of what I'm taking a look at in terms of NLCS Game Number 1 here in the final segment as well. Now, we don't have a confirmed pitch yet for the Philadelphia Phillies, but we do know that Zach Gallen is going to be going for the Diamondbacks in game number one, so we'll give you guys my handicap What I'm all taking a look at there, and we'll get you guys set on that front, and obviously day of game with regards to both the ALCS game one and NLCS game one, you're going to be getting those picks and analysis on this podcast as well, and if you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have for those in. First one is my Twitter slash x-timeline at Jeter and artist 41 Keep in mind, there's name does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline any other way, that's fine. an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five, that five-star review. Let's waste no more time other than to point out that if you'd like to follow Ben Wilson on Twitter slash X, that's at Ben underscore Wilson, his first and last name, and then another underscore and then the number one all together, and Ben Always great to get you aboard. Thank you, Greg
1: Peterson. Always the best intro man in the business. Yeah, not the greatest of weeks though for Wisconsinites like you and I. I was at the packer Raider game. That was the Allegiant Stadium was overtaken by green and gold, and then the Packers fell flat on their face. So, oh well. You know, Brewers two and out, but we're on to the CS and. It, Kind of amazing that, what, 22 out of the possible 32 games have been played so far? We're kind of just, it's like we're dying for, you know, some great series here. So, fascinated to see if we finally get a little bit more back and forth. Uh, I certainly would like that after my one bet in the DS was the Orioles for the series, and that did not go very well, as anybody listening knows.
3: Yep, and when it comes to that team that was able to get the job done in that series, the Texas Rangers, I felt like the game script for them with regards to that series is the shorter the series, the better it was for them. The longer the series, the worse it was because this is a team that doesn't have a lot of pitching depth. Now, they should be getting Max Scherzer back in the fold for the series, but we don't know what Max Scherzer is going to be able to deliver. It could be the Mad Max of old. It could be a guy that gives you like three innings and gets completely lit up. So... I think that that is going to be a big giant question mark with regards to that series. But the one thing that remains a constant for me with regards to Rangers versus Astros is, once again, I think that if the Rangers are going to win this series, they need to do so in like four or five games. Because I think that if this goes six plus, the Astros pitching depth is certainly going to be able to take hold.
1: I generally agree for sure. And it's why the angle I'm looking at it's, I think where the series prices are at, heading in with Astros around minus 140, Rangers plus 120. It's fair. You can make a case if you want to keep riding the Rangers train from an underdog perspective. I can't argue against it when you're undefeated in the postseason and You kind of wonder at the same time, though, how much longer can you hit almost 300 with runners in scoring position? I mean, the numbers that (laughs) the Rangers have put up so far in the postseason, they're hitting over 280 as a team. So I find that a little bit hard to believe. Obviously, I was dead wrong. I thought that regression would come against an Orioles team. I just believe the market was continuing to be too down on Baltimore, and I was proved dead wrong. I totally agree from the standpoint that This could be one of those series where you start to see runs pile up with shaky pitching really on both sides because as correct as you are on the Texas lack of depth, how great do you really feel about Houston after you get past Justin Verlander in game one where they're able to scratch across a couple of – solid but not overwhelmingly amazing starts from Christian Javier and Jose Urquidy and Framber Valdez's control issues have been a a real issue so Angle I'm looking at DraftKings has this option right now you can look at the total runs in the series I I just think it's interesting because this kind of has a feel Greg like we're going to get one game in the series where it's like 10-7 or 11-8 something like that one of these matchups with how hot both offenses have been and I mentioned how the Rangers have been amazing as a team And let's not forget the Astros are slugging over 500 as a team so far to hit 10 homers in the four-game series alone against Minnesota. So I really believe this is going to be a series where you don't necessarily see an insane amount of just unbelievable overs and you're getting 17, 18 runs. I definitely believe we have one of those games in the cards. And, you know, game one, which is your best pitching matchup, that's set at nine on a total. So, like, total series runs 55.5. I like that over – If you just extrapolate that out, I mean, nine times six, if you just say, for for argument's sake, the series goes six games, you're looking at 54. It's also not really factoring in. Let's say one of those games is into the mid to upper teens, which I really believe we'll get once we get deeper into the pitching staff rotations. And so 55 and a half, that's the way I would play this. I'm not going to try and sit back and handicap the side because you could talk me into either side, but it's going to be who continues to sustain their hitting the best and especially with runners in scoring position. And ultimately, I think that's a good way to attack it just from a good bet overall in the series.
3: Yep. I do think that taking a look at that angle is one that is very interesting. And I do think that this is going to be a good series to bet game to game as shown me on the show. We do have Ben Wilson who does tremendous work over here at v and. I am right there with you with the question marks with From Valdez, because I just noticed that ever since that ankle issue, he hasn't necessarily been the same, and I do think that the Astros are going to be vulnerable in that game. Meanwhile, I do take a look at this game number one between Jordan Montgomery and Justin Verlander, and if we are going to see an under in this series, I feel like it's this game. It opened up at nine in a lot of places with the total, now we're seeing a bunch of eight and a halfs, and I agree with this move, whereas where I when I take a look at the rest of the series, Then I think we get the overs. I'm not sure how you view this, but I do think that with Jordan Montgomery, he's going to be able to do a rock solid job with Texas. You know that they're going to do everything humanly possible with regards to their bullpen pieces to try to take that game number one with the angle I was talking about before as the shorter the series, the better it is with the Mm -hmm. Texas Rangers. So I could see a scenario where we start out with an under and then we get things be very overwhelming moving forward, kind of like what we saw in that Orioles series.
1: The one thing I just worry about with Montgomery, and it's hard to to go against, that thought, just with how solid he's been throughout the postseason and just the end of a year stretch. A, there's so much familiarity with Houston and this Texas rotation. It goes both ways, given that they're division rivals and have played a ton this year and and recently in the back end of September. From Houston's perspective, though, against lefties, if you just go back to the last two months of the regular season, 142 was the Astros' WRC plus against lefties. So you're talking about, what, over 40% above league average, and they especially in that park can just mash lefties like nobody's business. So that's the only cause for concern I have. And it's why, it's why I think the line is pretty fair where it's at when you think about game one specifically. And the Astros are you know around a dollar forty favorite market wide. And so even though that's a total of nine, you could certainly talk me into one of these, you know, two one type opening series games. I'm a little more hesitant just to go out and, and take the you know, lay a juice nine on the under just because of that. But that also speaks to the volatility, right? You see, in a series like this, and for Montgomery, I'm kind of with you from the standpoint of if it's a struggle for him and the hot bats against lefties are able to win the day for Houston game one. I mean, this thing could get ugly for Texas, but on the same side for the hitting perspective, I don't necessarily think just because it's Verlander and because he has the most postseason pedigree of anybody in this series and has been amazing and has been the guy Houston got at the deadline that, that they were looking for the whole time. I'm not necessarily wanting just to go out and say, all right, well, Texas has no shot. This is a offense that'll be neutered to one or two runs. Like I could see this being tougher for Verlander than uh, we might think. And That's why I think people might look at that total and go, okay, auto-under, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me if this is more like a 5-4 game and it ends up landing right on nine.
3: Yep, I could certainly see that as well. I lean a little bit to the under, especially if you're still able to get a nine out there once you get down to eight and a half, then you're starting to thread the needle just a little bit as you've got the top-scoring offense, in the American League and the Rangers and the team that has actually scored the most runs in the American League since June in the Houston Astros. So I certainly think that this is going to be a little bit of a slugfest. And then the series that gets going on Monday in Arizona versus Philadelphia, certainly the Philadelphia Phillies should be the favorite in the series. I don't think anyone's debating that. But I think the question is how big of a favorite should the Phillies be and how should we be taking a look at game one? As we know, Zach Allen is certainly going to be going in game one for Arizona, for the Phillies, has to be Zach Wheeler. I'd be very surprised if it's not Zach Wheeler. But right now we're seeing a pri- series price between the Phillies being at minus 180 to a minus 190. And I'm not sure how you view this series, but if you like the Philadelphia Phillies to be able to win the series... I think just betting this game-to-game game is a much better approach than laying the Mondo minus 180 to minus 190 in this spot.
1: Definitely agree. You can get as low as minus 170. It, it's from a pure price standpoint an interesting conversation just because the Dodgers were north of $2 as a favorite when that series opened. And you know if you're going to go do the deep dive and figure out all right, which team based on current form and overall depth is better right this second... It's easy to say right off the heels of Arizona sweeping LA, but I think anybody would take Philadelphia right now. And you would kind of be surprised to say, really, 35, 30 cents cheaper on Philadelphia for a series price compared to LA with a, a much better, if we're just being realistic here, better home field advantage and, and better form right now for Philadelphia. So, number alone, I'm a little surprised that it isn't higher, but at the same time, I respect what Arizona is doing. I wonder how, and I, you know, I wondered this going into the series against Milwaukee and same deal for the Dodgers. I kind of just stayed away because. Diamondbacks have clearly been potent enough and they've not been afraid of the moment despite having a pretty young roster in general but anytime you have a team that was what second last in home runs in the regular season and bottom five in barrel percentage like didn't hit a ton of balls hard weren't known for their offense all year and you come out and you tie the postseason league so far 13 homers it leaves me being a little bit skeptical and So as much as I would stay away, even thinking that Philadelphia should probably be getting a little bit more of a minus money number, more like 190, 195 range. I'm with you. Like I would stay off just because of the high variance where maybe this is just one of those stretches where Arizona is hitting out of their minds and they're super locked in. And every pitch looks like a giant grapefruit or watermelon and they're just they're going to rock with it. So. If I were to bet the series perspective, I'd lay the one and a half games with Philadelphia. If you're going to go out and you have enough conviction, you want to get a plus money payout here just with how the general variance of the series goes. So I think if you like Philadelphia, you probably believe they're winning this thing by margin. So Phillies in six games are better. You get plus 120. That's the way I would attack this because if you're wrong and either Arizona wins outright or you go to a game seven, you'd much rather just you know lose a single unit than have had to lay the you know the dollar seventy and or higher, ending up having to sweat it out there in a game seven. So that's my general thought process. I still am a little hesitant to think this Arizona sudden resurgence hitting-wise will continue through a best-of-seven, but yeah, you know, they've proven everybody wrong so far, so I'm going to stay away from that potential side of it, just take a stab on this hot Phillies team, and look to ride the home field and the just the general amazing form they're in right now at like a plus-120 number to win in six or better.
3: Yeah, but I think that that's such a better way of being able to take a look at it as well, because with the Phillies having the first two games, In Philadelphia and that home field advantage has been incredible as Ben Wilson, who does great work here at Beeson, is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. How much have you had to factor in the home field advantage? Because typically you get like flat numbers with regards to baseball when it comes to like college basketball, most people. Award a boilerplate three, which is always something that, as long as I've been in sports betting, is something that I disagree with because I do think that home field advantage should be varied based on the crowd that you get, based on the travel, what have you. Like the Tampa Bay Rays home field advantage wasn't quite as much as the Philadelphia Phillies, but how much have you had to take a look at that this postseason with this Philadelphia Phillies team? Because that's really the biggest reason why he put me on that game for. Phillies money line because I was thinking when I ran my raw numbers, I was relatively correct. But once I gave a little bit more of a bump to the Phillies, it got me there and I really did feel like it played a big factor in that win. It's
1: funny, like Philadelphia. I mean, you watch the games and that's why I always say like watching versus just betting and just going off pure numbers is just so valuable, not only just from the you know, entertainment standpoint, but just to get a feel for where these teams are at and just the general, you know, the flow and the context. And yeah, Philadelphia probably the one team right now where Especially if we're talking about the four remaining and, you know, Texas, Houston on the AL side, super familiar with respective venues, division rivals. I don't think you really factor that in at all. But Philadelphia, it's the one team where it feels like there is an advantage. And I think it's totally fair to give them a, a small, you know, you don't want to go overboard, but a small boost is, to me, definitely warranted. So it kind of going back to the overall, you know, just the series price conversation makes it even, you know, even the more a little bit surprising to see them, what, 30, 35 cents less than the Dodgers even if you want to upgrade Arizona cuz you certainly as much as you're upgrading Arizona from what they just did against LA well you have to upgrade Philadelphia at least that much if not more for beating one of the best regular season teams in Atlanta that we've watched over the past decade or so and, and the just the manner in which Philadelphia did it so I'm completely with you on that and look for Arizona coming in as impressive as they've been going in as you know a pretty young team winning Two straight games in Milwaukee going into LA, winning both games, chasing, you know, Clayton Kershaw out of the game one basically right off the bat. As impressive as that has been, you just have to assume with some of the expected regression that part of that will come in, in some of these road environments with the younger team and this kind of feels like that spot where if Philly were to sweep or win in five would that really surprise either of us I don't think so as much as you don't want to just dismiss a team who's gone five and zero in the postseason I still object to look at it and say this is certainly a series that is already slanted in Philadelphia's direction just based you know strengths versus weaknesses and because of how good Philadelphia has been consistently hitting the baseball all year can kind of neutralize Arizona's strength, which is on the pitching side. Any factor in you know, the, any of the home field advantage edges, and I look at this as being a series that could easily you know get away from Arizona if
3: things don't go well right off the bat. Yep, I do think that this is one that can get away from Arizona as well, and I am noticing that with regards to the opening total in game number one, Zach Allen against What I think is going to be Zach Wheeler, I guess you could make a case for Aaron Nola. It is 7.5 shaded down to the under, with the Phillies being between minus 160 to a minus 165 favorite. I'm not sure if you've got any sort of a take there, but it does seem a little bit low with this total because we've been talking about just how high-scoring things are going to be at Texas versus Houston. And I do think that the colder weather is going to suppress the offense a little bit here, but I mean with the Philadelphia Phillies, they've been as hot as darn near anyone with their offense over the last two months or so, and I do think that if they can get to Gallon, who has not been the same on the road, I do think that this is a game that can certainly go over game number one.
1: It's definitely at seven and a half, and given how hot both teams have been hitting wise philly's team total game one i could easily see this being a situation where i don't really buy into the whole all right well they just slayed the giant and i mean really both of these teams they slayed the top two seeds and look so good doing it And there will be some let off in game one i don't really subscribe to that theory i mean you're in the nlcs for crying out loud and it's not like the fans are just going to go away and not show up for game one at uh, Citizens bank park so i'm with you on that because i could see a world in which you know, whoever Philadelphia starts, come out and you do see that regression right away for Arizona hitting wise. I mean the power just isn't there, and, and this could be like one of those you know six nothing, six one type games. So I'd probably rather look team total up over once those numbers are released on Philadelphia and kind of riding what you you talked about some of the recent numbers in dip and dip in form with Gallon on the road. That's how I'd rather approach it. But with you that the seven and a half feels a little, especially how it's shaded to the under, feels like a bit steep as far as the reaction there, given even though it is game one couple of good starting pitchers regardless of who goes
3: on both sides we're in lockstep on that one and ben we've got ourselves what is going to be an incredible postseason hopefully we get a few more games than what we saw in the wild card in the divisional series but you've been doing a tremendous job all season long taking a look at this great game of baseball you join me every few weeks on this podcast you always lend impeccable insights and i know you've got a lot of irons in the fire and Yeah, keep them all burning very, very hot. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Sure. Ben
1: underscore Wilson underscore the number one. And on Live Bet uh, Saturday, Live Bet Sunday, so right now 4 to 7 Eastern. Saturdays, 3 to 7 Eastern on Sundays at VEASAN. And it's obviously, as you would expect, a lot of – a live college football in NFL, but we also have been making sure we've gone with the deep dives in Major League Baseball, and we'll be doing so especially on Sunday with Game 1 in the ALCS coming up Sunday night. So a lot going on right now, as you mentioned, but it's <laughs> this is one of the best times of year, so never going to complain about all that's on the plate right now.
3: Absolutely. You'd much rather be busy than to just be sitting around bored, things of that nature, because... Like right now, I am just jonesing for college basketball to come back in our lives. We're about three weeks away there. It can't come soon enough. And Ben, I mean, he does a great job keeping himself busy because he calls games for like 27 different sports. He does so all so well. And every single time he joins me, he always gives us the good. So a big thanks to Ben for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. Now a part of the Visa Family Podcast coming next. Since I gave you a little bit of a primer for Game 1 in the ALCS, I'll give you guys a little bit of what I'm taking a look at in terms of game one of the NLCS right here on the baseball bidding show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The campaign moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters, I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
2: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field
0: Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow.
1: Sports Betting Innovative Analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and
2: WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at sbia1.com today. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And
3: we're back here, lovely Las Vegas, for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VSM family of podcast. It is always great to be joined by Ben Wilson. He does amazing work here at the network. Has been joining me all year long on this podcast. Really did a great job of coming up with some terrific futures all year. Every single time he joins me, he lends tremendous insights. Always great to be able to get a fellow Wisconsinite on the show as well. So, big thanks to Ben for joining me in last segment. We don't have this series coming up until Monday, but I do want to give you guys a little bit of a lay of the land as what I've taken a look at in Game 1 of the NLCS. I went through Game 1 of the ALCS yesterday and obviously when you get the podcast tomorrow, I will have my full breakdown of Rangers versus Astros. We will see where that line moves and I'll give you guys my picks and analysis there, but let's dive in with regards to NLCS game number 1. We won't do the Sounder quite yet. We will preserve that for the Monday podcast, but In terms of Game 1 of the NLCS, 967-968 on the betting board, it is the Diamondbacks trotting out their Zach Allen on the road against the Phillies. As of right now, it's to be determined for the Phillies. I'd be very, very surprised if it's not Zach Wheeler here. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Zach Wheeler has been terrific, and if it's not Zach Wheeler, Honestly, I think that Zach Wheeler is somewhere in the neighbor about twelve to fifteen cents better than Aaron Nola. And to recognize that Aaron Nola has been a big time pitcher throughout his career, he's much better at home rather than when he's on the road. But I just think the world of Zach Wheeler. That, in my opinion, is not a knock on Aaron Nola as much as it is me just being super, super bullish on Zach Wheeler and all that he's been able to do. Because if you look at the raw ERA of Zach Wheeler, it's not necessarily eye popping. It's a three sixty one ERA. But you just dive in a little bit deeper. Point nine straight cuts of 1.8 walks per nine innings, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, does a good job of being able to lend some tremendous length even in that loss that the team took against the Atlanta Braves. That was odd on him. He gave up two earned runs in six out of third innings against the league's top offense. He has delivered time and time again. He's done it at home. He's done it on the road. Meanwhile, for Zach Allen, he certainly has done it at home, but he hasn't necessarily done it on the road. And it's the biggest reputation that you do have with Zach Allen, who's been able to do a solid job, but be able to get some swings and misses as well. Nine and a half strikeouts to two walks per nine innings. Overall for the season, about a three forty seven ERA as well. So, I mean, it is a pretty rock solid stat line there, but I mean, it's just so vastly different when he's on the road rather than when he's at home. At home, 247 ERA. He's given up about 0.6 home runs per nine innings on the road. This balloons to about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. 442 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate is 2.3 lower when he's on the road. His strikeout to walk ratio is about a 6.7 at home. About 3.5 when he's on the road as well. He just isn't necessarily the same pitcher and now he has to go up against a Philadelphia Phillies team that. I mean, they have hit the most home runs on a per-at-bat and a per-game basis since the beginning of the month of August. You've been able to get it from Kyle Schwarber all season long, who hasn't necessarily been great here in the postseason. You're just waiting for him to wake up, and you know that at some point he is going to be able to do so. Hit just a buck ninety seven during the regular season, but that on base percentage, I was closer to about a three forty with those 47 home runs, but yeah, Nick Cassianos just be able to pretty much put the Atlanta Braves out of their misery in that series. He has been able to heat up quite a bit, and then Bryce Harper Not enough can be said about the fact that he, during the regular season, first 58 games, he had just three home runs. Now he's really been able to crank it up. He had three home runs in that series against the Atlanta Braves ever since those first 58 games of the season. If I did my math correctly, I believe that he has played 76 games ever since then, and he's been able to belt up between regular season and postseason, 22 home runs in that time span. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm just not sure if this offense is going to be able to maintain. Going into the postseason, This team had really gone cold with their offense. From July 1st all the way to the end of the regular season, they're averaging 4.1 runs per contest. That was second worst in the National League to only the old Pittsburgh Pirates and here in the postseason they have put up four plus runs in every single game. Christian Walker has been able to find it quite a bit more as he in the last month of the season wasn't so great here in the playoffs. He's been able to provide a 435 on base. Only one home run, but it's of a solid job of being a move line. I also do have my question marks with Alec Thomas and Gabriel Moreno and the fact that they've got five home runs in five postseason games thus far and I mean, their home runs to hit ratio is just absolutely hilarious because five out of their six home runs have flown over the fence. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep that going, but then you you have sort of that fearsome threesome along Christian Walker, and then you've got Quitel Marte of the Marte Parte, Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Correale, and Carroll has been just tremendous here in the postseason. Hitting north of a 400 pair of home runs. Marte has been able to give you a pair of home runs. Lourdes Gurriel has not necessarily been able to draw a lot of walks, but he had a home run of his own as well. So with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've been able to find offense that they really haven't had throughout the season. They've been a little bit of a below average team. With their being able to crank out the deep On the question that you have with the Arizona Diamondbacks as well, is this bullpen going to maintain? Because going into Game 3 in their series against the L.A. Dodgers, this bunch was just pitching out of their mind with regards to bullpen. If you date it back from September 1st until Game 3, they had a 2 7 bullpen ERA. This is despite the fact that from July 1st until the end of the regular season, they were about 18th in the league with regards to bullpen ERA. It's been a bullpen that all season long has had their issues, certainly picking up Paul Sewell at the trade deadline was able to help them out in and- Andrew Selfrank, how big has he been? I don't think that he's allowed a career run in the big leagues regular season or postseason. You've seen guys like Jose De Ruiz, Miguel Castro be able to step up, but gotta have a little bit of trepidation there. I just have a little bit more faith in this Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. Jose Alvarado all year long has been able to supply a sub two ERA. Seems as though Michael Lorenzen has become sort of that super reliever for this team. Gotta think that Christopher Sanchez is going to be used at some point. Very surprised that we really haven't seen him at all here in the postseason. But even though Jeff Hoffman had a little bit of a since savory game two against the Atlanta Braves. He, Matt Strom, who was able to close out that big game number four, been able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA. Stranthi Dominguez has had his ups and downs this year, but it seems like he's pitching terrific. Craig Kimbrel could be a little bit over the place, but got out of that big bases loaded jam in game number four as well. So you've got a lot of intrigue with this one. With regards to my handicap, I did set the Phillies on the money line at a minus 154. I would need at least a plus 155 to be able to take a shot on the air side of Diamondbacks right now. we're finding that plus price anywhere between about a plus 136 to a plus 146 with the Phillies laying more in the neighborhood of about a minus 160 to a minus 165. I'm seeing at one offshore broken minus 153 but we shall see where this number is going to go. But if you're looking to lay a run and half, you're getting right around about a plus 135. That'd be my minimum buy point. I needed at least a plus 134. That's where I'd be looking as of right now. I'm a little bit higher on the run line because I do think that the 7 half total that we're finding in this game with the under being between about minus 115 to minus 120 with that juice just a little bit too low because I do think that Gallon's going to give up some runs. I do think that the Diamondbacks going to be a little bit shaky with the bullpen as well. And the Diamondbacks, I think that they have improved a little bit with their lineup as well. And I think that they're just going to be able to ride a little bit of momentum here as well. So I do think that the 7.5 is too low looking at the over and at current numbers, I'd be looking to lay a run and half at a plus 135 with the Philadelphia Phillies so and that'll wrap things up. For the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, a big thanks to Ben Wilson for joining me in the last segment. He does great work here at VEASAN, and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what I have before this podcast, you have one of two ways to be able to those in. First one is by Twitter, slash, XTimeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters, EM, name, does not matter, as per usual. Please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast, 5 stars. It is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that 5-star review. I'm not joking when I say I'm with you guys every single day on this podcast. Might take one or two days off if we've got a long break with regards to the World Series, but I'll be with you guys every single day, game day, giving you guys picks and analysis on all of these games. I appreciate you guys tuning in all throughout the season, and I'll continue to be with you until we have a World Series champion crown, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you.